Welcome to the Hustle System Podcast. Mikhail here. And today we are, as usual, unpacking the patterns of success and failure for some of my favorite people in the space of business, internet marketing, entrepreneurship, and just in general, people that are making a absolute massive impact on the world. And in this episode, we are going to be chatting with a real character, Mr. Steve Sims. Now, here's what's fascinating about Steve. When I was doing the research for this podcast, after I went to his website, I got hit with retargeting everywhere. And as a marketer, I'm always fascinated by seeing, hmm, interesting, you uh, really have your stuff on point. That's really great. And there, there was something about it with Steve being such a character. If you go and check out his stuff, he looks like the type of guy who um, would be very, very intimidating to actually have a conversation with. But the very first thing that I noticed when we uh, opened up was uh, he's actually very personable and very friendly and very approachable. And what I found fascinating about talking with Steve is how vulnerable and how open and how transparent he was in everything that he has been doing and is doing and has going on. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Steve ran Bluefish, which was a company that curated special events for the elite. So we're talking people that you could otherwise never get access to, you would actually get access to these people. And then on top of that, curate these amazing experiences for them that were really memorable and really really impactful. Uh, he's got some amazing testimonies. He's got Peter Diamandis on there. Uh, just a world, world, world-class rapport with these great people. And what Steve does that we unpacked in quite great detail is he actually runs these uh, prison visits. Okay. So this is, uh, this is really unique. It's he will take uh, entrepreneurs specifically, and he will take them into a maximum security prison. Uh, and then you will be as an entrepreneur, kind of forced to teach and interface with these people that you would never have a chance to interface with. And I think this was huge because as we were talking about it, you know, we set big challenges for ourselves, right? Those of you who listen to the podcast, you want to make an impact, you want to make a difference. And often it feels overwhelming. And yet here you find yourself in this environment where all of the odds are stacked against you. And what you realize is, oh, these people are very, very dangerous, right? Um, there's not like, you know, this isn't a, a petty crime type of place. This is a maximum security type of place. And yet they have a great amount of respect and rapport and appreciation for you taking the time to be there. And then you go back out and you realize, wow, I have all the freedom, all the power and all the capacity in the world to do anything and everything that I want to. And maybe some of those things that I found were so scary were not quite as scary as I thought. So what I want you to do right now is to take a moment, take a deep breath and take aside a small little chunk of the mental bandwidth and the mental capital that you have and make some space for this uh, great conversation because Steve was kind enough to take the time. And honestly, I was so pleasantly surprised and uh, just I had a big grin on my face. I had a big smile on my face the entire time I was talking to him. And uh, that really should transfer. That's something that with you as an entrepreneur looking to build a brand should take something away from. So without further ado, here is a phenomenal conversation with my dear friend, Mr. Steve Sims. We've never wavered in that vision. Everything you hold worthwhile in this state. Beyond yourselves and ourselves. I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. Uh, I took the initiative in creating the internet. That app comes with incredible rapidity. One electrical arc after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted. It really is a revolution. Welcome to the Hustle System Podcast. Today we have Mr. Steve Sims, uh, brother. Thank you so much. Welcome aboard. Uh, thanks for being here with us today. 
That's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having any kind of interest. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? Um, so uh, Steve has uh, launched uh, Bluefish, and this is uh, fascinating because you do once-in-a-lifetime events for uh, the, the quote, rich and famous. So you, you've gotten really good at curating an experience, and uh, that's going to be probably a central theme throughout today's conversation is how do you curate an experience for yourself? So that would be my first question, mm. yeah, is how do you curate your own experience of life? Well, you've just answered it. I experience it. Uh, I don't like being a passenger. Um, you know, physically, I hate being a passenger. So if I'm traveling anywhere, I've got to be the one that's driving. I've got to be the one riding. I've got to immerse myself in something. I'm a great believer that wealth comes from experience. It doesn't come from anything else. Your money in the bank is complete waste of time unless it can actually generate a trigger, an emotion, a reaction. And those are all experiences. You know, those are all emotions and things that you feel. So I could be at a bus stop and I would try to communicate with someone near me at the bus stop just to have a conversation. Or I would listen to a podcast that excites me. Or I would listen to some heavy metal music or some op, something. I have to experience every moment of my life. Awesome. What's your band of choice currently? You know, I, I learned this years ago. Um, I have a very, very good audio system in the house, and I have probably one of the cheapest TVs possible because um, I just don't give a shit about the TV. But my music is uh, um, it's Baron Wilkinson is the speakers, and it's Macintosh, which is the audio. And yeah. we will literally have it on permanent shuffle. So... We could have anything from uh, Billie Eilish to Metallica to Andre Bocelli to Mozart to Guns N' Roses. It literally, um, this morning, funny enough, I woke up, uh, we woke up, we had it on the alarm system. We woke up to Slipknot and then finished off by Lady Antebellum. So it's just, I love, yeah, I love the full range. There was a time when music was sold in uh, vinyl albums. You know, there may be a few people that can remember that. And these were a journey. An album was literally a journey. You know, if you listen to the old Queen, Meatloaf, um, these were like almost operatic in our albums and the way they were established. Nowadays, it's a series of singles on an album. Very rarely will you ever listen to a complete album or will I ever enjoy listening to a complete album I like to mix it up. Absolutely. I've got uh, some tool on vinyl sitting on my Technique 1210s right now. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'll pop the headphones in. That's my little meditation is I'll pop the headphones in. I'll just, just rock it out, man. That's, that's super cool. Um, that is amazing um, and beautiful. And uh, I think it, it translates through, right? We talk about this a lot on the podcast where, you know, your brand, your business will be an extension of yourself. Right. It's almost like when, when you have yes. when you have kids, it's like they run around and they're like, and it's out of your control. So you mentioned an interesting thing. You mentioned the control element. And I have that too, where I I like I get freaked out if I'm passenger. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh God, this feels weird. This is how do you go about managing the spectrum of having a lot of control versus relinquishing control for say creative direction or elements in your company that you have to, you know, you have to give somebody else the wheel to drive that. How do you approach that? So it's, it's, every, it's every entrepreneur's biggest problem, um, that moment when you go, okay, the first thing you've got to do, and it was Armin Mizell that taught me this, um, you've got to look at what you're exemplary at. You've got to look at what you are absolutely amazing. No one can compete with you. 
It may be negotiation, it may be copywriting, it may be design, create, whatever. What is your unicorn elements? And then identify them, literally write them down. And then write down what you do in the day. And it could be answer your emails, feed the dog, um, go out for shopping supplies, all the other stuff that somebody else can do just as good as you or even better. And then as an entrepreneur, because we're control freaks and we have something called ugly baby syndrome, we hold on to the ugly baby very tightly because it's ours and no one could love it like we do. The last and the third chapter that you have to identify are things that you do that you're shit at, that you are absolutely crap, but because you're a control freak, you do it. It could be things like invoicing. It could be things like inventory control, uh, finances, whatever it is. Now, me, I'm really good at making money. I'm terrible at allocating what's an expense, what's not an expense. So you've got to identify for an entrepreneur to grow, you've got to grow. For you to be able to grow, you've got to give yourself more hours in the day by removing those hours that you waste by doing stuff you shouldn't even have your hands on. And I will literally communicate with someone, arrange it to be done, and then I will send it off to my logistics team that makes sure it's done, and then the invoicing team to make sure that it's actually priced out accordingly and it's quoted before we go back to the client. So the first thing you've got to do to relinquish control is to identify what you are exemplary at. I love it. And how much, um, how much feedback and guidance do you give, or do you just – uh, you know, I work with Ty quite a bit, who I'm sure you, um, you're familiar right, yeah. with. And his whole principle was, you know, trust, but um, trust, but verify, right? So trust, but verify. At what point do you stop verifying? At what point are you like, this person's got it, boom. And have you ever had it where you do that, where you, you're, you go, okay, cool, this person's got it. And then something slips. Um, that ends up being a bit of a blind spot for something that they had. Has that ever happened? All the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things there. You never, ever fully let go. Uh -huh. You know, every now and then you kind of like you're dipping and you just have a look and you just pay attention. If you're not paying attention, then who the bloody hell is, okay? And my, you, you, don't, you don't hover craft, okay? But once you do, and the, the trick is give them stuff to do in the early stages, which holds no liability to you. You know, go and get this coffee. And if it's bad coffee, then you just end up buying new coffee. But give them tasks that aren't going to have a client go south on you or aren't going to have bad invoicing or that you can control, okay? And I've been known for actually giving people tasks for things that I don't even want, you know, mm -hmm. just to see how they handle it. Now, once you know that they are good at handling things, the next thing you've got to be able to understand and guarantee is that shit's going to happen. Now, success doesn't come from everything going right. It comes from those little things that went wrong that they learned from, that they grew from. And so I've asked my team to do stuff and things have gone wrong. And then instead of watching what went wrong and how I can fix it, I watch them and how they can fix it. And that's where my pride comes from. That's where my moments of growth. It's like the little kid that falls off his push bike and then gets back on. My team have all failed. They failed once, they failed twice, they failed constant times, just like I have, because we're human beings. And that's the moment you can tell whether or not you've trusted the right person. When the shit goes south and you see them dust themselves off and go, all right, 
How am I going to handle this? Let's get on. That's when you can feel happy about it. But understand the stuff's going to go wrong because it'll go wrong with you. And understand uh, that you're waiting for that moment to really see the cut of that cloth. Absolutely. I've got, I've got a little turtle on my car. And today's uh, motivation turtle quote is step up or step out. So it's uh, it kind of where I got to keep this little turtle there. You know, my, my mother gave it to me. It's, it's a happy. So it reminds me to, you know, no matter what pressure, like just smile. And it's, it's not a big deal. You know, end of the day, we like, we all die and then become whatever fertilizer. So it's not a big deal. No matter well, what we kind of, we, we get scared today and I don't want to get too philosophical about it, but we're terrified of failure. Yet our greatest growth comes from it. Everything that's possibly existed today has come from a failure. Look at Amazon. What a fucking joke of a bo- online book selling company that was until it realized that it wasn't actually in the, in the book selling industry. It was in the platform industry. And as soon as it made that twist, bang, we got the one of the largest companies in the planet. And you can do the exact same with Apple. Apple made constant bad products until it hit on what it worked best. Um, mm-hmm. and it created a tribe and a community and a culture out of it. So Pepsi-Cola uh, or Coca-Cola, I think it is, started off as an anti-acid for stomach pain and now become one of the largest soft, soft drinks. Most extreme successes came out of weird, dysfunctional, tweakable moments. Absolutely. Um, it's huge. And that's something you're really great at. I, I love your stuff, man, because you're so direct um, <laughs> and upfront in your content. It's... It's, it's amusing because I'm sure the first time you did it, I, I don't know, let, let me ask you, did you have the thought of like, is this going to put people off? Like you're, you're, you look like this guy that could totally just whoop some ass, you know, look so, like, the, the, like, <laughs> so, so did you have that? Yeah. Where you're like, oh man, like I'm going to do this. People are just totally not going to listen to me. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. I had, I had two thoughts. So for anyone that, that doesn't know me, just to give you a quick thing, I launched, as you mentioned earlier, the world's most successful concierge firm. Um, and I dealt with billionaires. I, I, my clients were people that owned things like countries. And then I got asked to do a book. And I thought to myself, yeah, this would be fun. I also did it because I thought it annoyed my kids. Because my kids, <laughs> you know, my wife calls me her favorite Neanderthal. So my kids know that I'm like a bull in a china shop. You know, I just go forward. I'm not worried about what you think of me. I'm worried about what I can do. So writing a book, I thought was kind of funny. Because if anyone's ever got an email from me, they know I can't spell for shit. But we did it. And then all of a sudden, people are like, oh, do you put out videos? Do you do this? Do you do content? And I thought to myself at the time, I've got two options. I dilute and become someone that I'm not. Therefore, I acknowledgedly become a liar. Or I just put it out there and go, look, suck it and see. If you like it, great. If you don't, move on. We'll be fine. And I remember thinking, I've got to do it. And if anyone's writing a book, if anyone's doing a course, you become obligated to that tribe to give them more food. And so I suddenly started having to go, well, look, I tried this product last week and it really worked. This is where you can get it. You know, and when I say products, I'm on about like QR codes or texting campaigns, anything that I would try and work, I would tell my people about anything that failed. I would tell my people about, and then I would have them go, well, did you try this? And then I would tweak it and it would work. So, I just put it out there and anyone thinking of doing content, I, I learned from Joe Polish. He said that everything you do starts at being shit. Mm-hmm. So I guarantee you, if you go back to your thought, I have a podcast, The Art of Making Things Happen, and I did 18 episodes 
before I launched and I went back to the first one and I think we crushed, I think, I think we got rid of like the first nine because they were yep. god awful. Yep. Everything you do first will be shit and then you can get going. So get going, then get good. So I noticed this and so I put the content out there and I look back at some of the original stuff um, and it was too much swearing, too much, and I'm like, oh God, that's a little bit off. But it was me. And I thought to myself, I'm never going to apologize for being me. And so thankfully, like you, there are people out there that have some kind of whiff of an interest in what I've got to, to spout about. And I get to, to do it all over the place. In fact, I was at um, Fairway Mortgage in uh, Texas last uh, Saturday being a keynote speaker. The week before that, the week before that, I was in Denver and Palm Springs. The week before that, I was in New York. Next week, I'm in uh, San Diego and Vegas. So apparently, there's people that like to hear me spout. I like, I like your stuff. You know, what, what I'm seeing a lot is the current trend is like everyone should make content and actually completely disagree. I think some people should absolutely not make content because yep. they haven't walked the walk. And this is what I really like about your stuff is you're also a very true and tested marketer. Like your, your stuff is really, really good from, from me looking at it. I'm like, man, this guy's an OG. I mean, you're sitting there with Jay Abraham. You've got uh, testimonials from Peter Diamandis. I mean, th this is some no joke stuff. This is some real, you know, rubber meets the road um, stuff that you've had to put your time, your effort, your blood, sweat, and tears into to get real results. So um, the question becomes, is content becoming commoditized now from, from your vantage point? And how do people stand out? How do people stand out through this like insanely oversaturated, everybody should be an influencer? And it's so, it's so hard to tell, right? Because yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I actually joke that just because your phone can take a video of you doesn't mean it should. There's, there's too many people out there that have read a course and suddenly think as though they're an influencer because, you know, they went to a course or they bought ties or Jordan Belfort or anybody else out there that's doing courses and stuff. And they suddenly think they know that shit. I think you know your shit when it's hurt you, when it's, when you failed, when you fallen over. And I've been bust and broke freaking way too many times in my, in my younger years in my middle life. And I've made constant mistakes so I, I think it gets to a point where everyone's jumping on the influencer bandwagon. They think, oh, if I can put out a good video, then I'm going to be a millionaire. And some people are. But for every one person that cracks it, there are four billion that didn't. And by you jumping up and joining in with the noise, and that's the problem, if everyone's turning right and telling you that everything's brilliant, turn left. It's quieter. You can stand out more and stop trying to be someone else. You know, I noticed so many people, Ty Lopez, genius, genius. I hated him before I loved him, okay? Mm -hmm. I only met the dude a couple of times, but the whole kind of, I read my books, look at my car, I fucking hated everything about <laughs> him, okay? And then I realized he was creating that, that uh, image to cause a trigger in you. Now, if I can get you to love me, great. If I can get you to hate me, you'll be louder. And if you can create a trigger in someone, you're not going to create a trigger by trying to be everybody else, by trying to be, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, by trying to be Grant Cardone, by trying to be Ty Lopez. These people are different. And you've got to try and identify your own unique voice and come out with it. I have often said in any of my coaching stuff, it takes zero effort to be you. 
And that's your first, that should be stamped on the inside of your lip and in the inside of your eyelids. It takes zero effort to be you. Don't try to be anyone else because you'll you, you dilute it. I love that, man. And um, obviously we'll include, you know, an intro to this too with all the, the links to everything, where to find you on socials. But you mentioned the coaching, uh, you mentioned the book. So the book is Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Um, I love that approach. Can you tell us a little bit about the coaching that you do? Like if people want to engage more and more aggressively, What's their call to action? Where do they go? Just really quickly to get that out of the way and we can unpack some more stuff. So if you go over to stevedsims.com on the website there, there'll be a need a coach button and you can find out what I do, how I do it, where I do it. But the first thing we do within any good coach is to basically allow you to realize that 99% of your problems are you. And so the first thing we do is you know grab you by your shoulders, push you around a bit, slap you about, turn you upside down, shake all the shit out and then get you focused on where you need to be going rather than where you are going. Love it. <laughs> Straight to the point. Uh, let's talk networking. Let's talk networking, man. Um, so in building this, this concierge, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, I, I have this conversation consistently with my team. I just had uh, one on ones with my team before doing this podcast. And uh, this idea of putting people in positions that they're not quite ready for in order to get them to step up. So how do you go about that yourself with networking where, you know, to make your company successful at that level, you have to kind of have a bigger vision for yourself. I call it blind faith, right? So how do you go about saying, oh, I'm in the room with so-and-so, this really is a, a dream opportunity, or even um, giving yourself permission to put yourself in the room with that person in the first place. Uh, for those, those are the guys that are they're listening, they're young hustlers, they're entrepreneurs, they want to win, but they're second guessing themselves on the networking opponent. How do, how do you, t- do you just say, F it, I'm just going to go for it or? no. Okay. No, it's uh, the entrepreneurs are, are intelligent and ignorant in the same dosage. And uh, sometimes we can scare ourselves shitless because what we think is real is not, but it is now because we, we've made it real in our head. What I learned to do years ago was get uncomfortable. If I, like I used, to, I used to be a kickboxer, okay? And one of the things that always scared me was never the guy in the ring, it was the ring. It was this elevated ring that everyone was going to be staring. That ring scared me. In fact, a lot of people have ring phobia. They, they literally do. So what I used to do was get into the ring and lay on the floor. You know, if I could lay on the floor, roll around the floor, it would kind of desensitize it. And then I'm like, ah, there you go. Do something silly in there. And that's what I used to do. In business, the worst thing that I think anybody can do is to put the person they're meeting on a platform because then they walk into the room and all of a sudden they're kind of, oh, wow, that's so-and-so. They're already distancing themselves from the fact that it's a human being meeting a human being. So what I do is I, I do a lot of exercises with my team, with my staff, with my coaching clients. And in fact, I'm doing one in two weeks' time. No one can go to because it's already sold out, so there's no pitch. <laughs> I And you may have read about this as well. I take people to prison. And I actually, uh, in two weeks' time, actually, I don't know when this podcast is going out, but shortly, shall we say, <laughs> yep. I, I'm taking uh, 20, I think it's 28 uh, entrepreneurs. I charge them $500. As I say, this podcast will come out after the event. And I charge them $500 to go inside and teach entrepreneurial skills to multi-lifers and I take them into a level four maximum security prison. So that you're not in a level four maximum security prison because you've got speeding tickets. 
You know, yeah. you're the head of cartels. You're the head of gangs. You, you're mass murderers. Now, a lot of people go, why would you associate with these people? A lot of people are the results of where they grew up, who they hung around with, a victim of your circumstance. Now, there are people in there that decided they were going to do this. Those aren't the people we hang around with. We're hanging around in there with people that never had any other option and became, you know, a, a kingpin. And they're like, hey, I don't want to do this. They made $10 million a week and they never spent any of it on a bloody Facebook ad. They know about protocol. They know about pyramids. They know about payroll. They know about loyalty. They know about discipline. Okay. They just chose to use all of those things for illegal stuff. Now they're getting out and we're trying to show them how to take that drive and hustle into a productive tax paying industry where they can look after their kids and their family. It puts you in a room with people that you never, ever would have spoken with. And I started this three years ago, thanks to a guy called Jason Gaynard, who thought it'd be fun. And that's probably not the right word, but <laughs> thought it would be disturbing in a good way for us to go in there to see what kind of people we were. Now, when you walk through the yard and there's all these officers around the top and they've all got guns pointing at you to keep you safe, uh, picked, uh, there's uh, signs on the wall saying no warning shots will be fired. You know, just all this, it's a scary ass situation to be in. You suddenly get an idea of who you are. And I started that three years ago and I still keep going. And I noticed that if you can get in a room where you are uncomfortable, you will thrive in any other room after that. So if I can hang out for the day with, with mass murderers that want to change their life, better themselves, and have decided that in the worst environment possible, that they're going to be better people, then you have no excuse when you come out that night. So I try to get myself uncomfortable. I do that with motorcycle racing. I do that with, with reading stuff that's kind of like above my station, as they say, going on stage. You know, I get nervous. You know, I'm, I'm, I was on 32 stages last year. This year, I think so far we're booked for like 22 and we're in the first part of the year. So I'm, I'm going to probably beat that number again. I will openly tell you, I get nervous just before I go on the stage can I bring it? Can I give? Can I help the crowd? And I get all of these questions, like all entrepreneurs, that doubt in your head. And you're faced with two opportunities. One, don't go on stage. Don't go on stage and you won't be nervous anymore. You won't have to show up. You won't have to worry about providing. Or step two, get on that stage, get uncomfortable, and give it every fucking thing you can. And when you get off the stage... You're tired, you're exhausted, but you grew a bit. I love that. That's powerful, man. Let me ask you a quick question because I think this comes up. When you go into an environment like that, what's the reaction from the inmates that are – is it gratitude? Is beautiful it question. Yeah. Be beautiful question. I couldn't have lined that up better. So I'm going to tell you quite bluntly, when you walk through the room, and they have them in different places, but usually it's in the gymnasium where everything is bolted to the floor and the weights have all got little chains on them so they can't be thrown across the room. You know you're in a hostile environment. You step through into the room and there's, again, guards fully armed, both on the floor and above, aiming down with these guns. And you're looking in there and there's guys in there. Now, I'm, I'm 240 pound of big, ugly guy. 
there's guys in there with ears missing where they got them cut off in the yard and stuff. Tats all up. I mean, everyone's kind of like tattooed on the forehead and stuff. And you're intimidated. You are physically petrified when you walk in there thinking, well, okay, there's 15 guards around me with automatic weapons, but there's 60 inmates in here that could hurt me. And you, you start to feel kind of very upset. And then you meet the guys face to face. And do you know the funny thing? They're terrified of you. They are intimidated. And I, the first time I did this, I was like, how can you be intimidated of me when I'm shit scared of you? Now, they had violence and the look um, that they had created to protect themselves on the street as their defense mechanism. But in their eyes, they're now speaking to a successful business owner that has taken time out of their day, traveled two hours into a place you never, ever want to be to help those people. They were intimidated by you. And it was this mutual intimidation that was just weird. And the second time I came back, oh my God, the second time I came back, I'll be blunt, there was this massive guy, I won't mention his name, Massive guy that looked as though he could have killed you and your family just by staring at you. And uh, he came up and he hugged me and he cried and he thanked me for caring enough to come back. This massive wall of a guy. So barriers were being dropped. We were getting through. And that's when I realized I have to do this. I now take my son. My son's 23 years old. And the first time I said to him, do you want to come to prison with me? He was like, God, no. And then one day he went, well... Let me try it. You know, let me see what it's going to be. And he was shit scared when he walked in. Everyone always is. In fact, now it's quite funny for me to just stare at the newbies because I know they're going to be petrified. That's my little uh, giggle out of it. But he now goes a lot and he actually does videos for young entrepreneurs. And in fact, I think about four to five kids that are coming, you know, when you're 53 years old, everyone's a kid. But, you know, early 20-year-olds that he's drummed up that have paid $500 to get terrified and grow and get uncomfortable in one day. And he's the one that's out there spouting for it. So it's this weird intimidation, this weird mutual intimidation that you get by meeting people. And if you think about that, take it further. When you walk back into the networking room or you go to a, an event and there's all these successful people, when you walk up to any one of those successful people, believe it or not, they're intimidated of you. Why? Because they don't know who you are. You could be the founder of WordPress. You could be the owner of, of a major corporation that, you know, you don't know who's behind it. So whenever you meet someone, understand that you may know who they are. They don't know who you are. So it's how you show up, chest out, shoulders back, that actually says whether or not you are an equal person to be able to have that conversation. And that's why I have people like Elon Musk, Peter Diamandis, Elton John, and these people that I can communicate with because I talk with them as equal human beings. I love that. That's powerful. And that comes from mutual res respect. It comes from shared principles. Yep. There, there's a lot that we could unpack further on the power of freedom. Um, however, for this particular session, uh, Steve does have a heart stop. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap this session here, I'd love to continue going. I'd love to unpack some marketing stuff. I'd love to have you back and let, let's talk strictly marketing. I think we could kick it off with power of freedom. Um, one thing you mentioned that I found was fascinating and you kind of brushed over this was the look that they architected for themselves as a protection mechanism on the street. I'd love to talk about, you know, the masks we wear and, and the types of 
production mechanism, especially as men that we have uh, when we bring back. I, th- I think we can, you know, you and I could probably continue going further. Um, however, you do have a hard stop today and I want to be respectful of that. Um, so for the time being, what I'd like to do is say, Steve, thank you so much, brother, uh, for hopping on. It's been an absolute blast. The book, Bluefish, Bluefishing, the Art of Making Things Happen, super powerful, uh, stevedsims.com. And then as a, as a quick little aside, how do people find out for the next one? Because by the time this, this podcast comes out, uh, you, you will have gone to prison, so to speak, and then come yes. back. Uh, so how, did, how do they find out about that as well? Well, for a start, I appreciate the questions and I appreciate the fact that you knew I had a hard stop and I give you my commitment that I'm coming back. Um, and I'll make sure it's at a time when I can grab a coffee and we can just chat forever. So I appreciate you for doing that. Thank you. If you just join stevedsims.com and you get onto my subscription for my newsletters, uh, but also I have a Facebook group called An Entrepreneur's Advantage, and you can jump on there. And uh, I do announce, in fact, I think my next one's in June, but basically if you get into An Entrepreneur's Advantage on Facebook or you subscribe to my newsletters at stevedsims.com, you'll get notified when my next prison visit is. I love it. Highly recommend you guys check that out. Number two, regarding the hard, the hard stop, a brief minute on this and then we'll wrap is um, uh, the way that I, I learned this was actually, I, I recently had Evan Carmichael on the podcast. Okay. And uh, one thing that really impressed me about him was he, he precedes, he's like, it's going to be 25 minutes and then I would like a five minute break. And um, it's gonna, that's it. You got 25 minutes. So I think uh, this idea of making the most of the time you have I think we uh, trick ourselves into thinking we have all the time in the world. But if you go and you kind of do those false constraints on yourself, I think it really pushes the content to be better. It pushes the output to be better. And um, it really creates a sense of gratitude. And that's just what I want to get across is my sense of gratitude for having you on today. Thank you so much, Steve. And to wrap here, um, Steve, if you had, so so you're 53 now, and man, I want to unpack how to have this much energy when I'm 53. So that'll be, that's that's where we'll start. I'm putting a big star next to it. That's where we'll start next time. But uh, if you were, let's say you're, you're old, you're, you're 90s now, and um, you know, it's kind of your last day here on this great earth, and your whole family's around you, and you, know, you, got, you, got, you got to go after this, and, and that's it. You know, you're off into the ether. Um, what's that thing that you share with uh, your family, your friends of, you know, if you, if you had a short little statement of, you know, the, the quote, how to live your life statement, if you will? Well, if I'm dying and my friends and family around me, they know how I live. So my last words would be, see ya, that was fun. Nice. I love that. Thank you so much, Steve. Pleasure having you. Boom. It really is a revolution. Listen, uh, We've never wavered in that vision. I believe we should strive to do things in his spirit. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourselves and ourselves. I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. Uh, I took the initiative in creating the internet. That app comes with incredible rapidity. One electrical arc after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted.